what you have to figure out or what are the stories that you know or observe the things that you see that give you goosebumps and figure out what are the elements you need to share in front of an audience. Takeaway is if you can get really good at storytelling and you can get really good at creating an emotional connection with the audience, really good at creating content that serves the audience, that's what's going to make you stand out as a speaker and those are the areas you should work on. Your inner voice has been drowned out by the noise around you, but you've always had a deep desire to make a difference. And now you're ready to step into your greatness and develop the identity you need to build towards your ultimate goal. Welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. Making the world a better place by unleashing human potential will help you create your own reality by increasing your self-awareness, cultivating an unstoppable mindset, and finally finding the passion, purpose, and true self so that you can live the life you are always destined to live. Now, welcome your host, a lifelong learner and growth mindset savant, a former architect turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Tibor Notch. What is up, my friend? Welcome back to the Mindset Horizon podcast. I'm super excited for you to listen to today's episode with my special guest, Corey Poirier, where we talk about how to become a world-class speaker and make a living out of it. But before we dive in, I want to let you know about my podcast mastery course. So if you're seeking to make a change and have an even bigger impact as a coach, consultant, or thought leader in 2021, I would highly recommend you check out my podcast mastery course at mindsethorizon.com forward slash course. That's mindsethorizon.com forward slash course, where I'm teaching you step by step how to start your authority building podcast as a change maker so that you can scale your impact, influence, and income in 2021. For more information, simply go to mindsethorizon.com forward slash course, and you can find all the details there. Also, as I mentioned in episode 100, we are going to rebrand the Mindset Horizon podcast from March on, and there are going to be more topics on marketing, marketing psychology, content marketing, digital marketing, and influence. So in the future, I will keep serving coaches, consultants, changemakers, thought leaders, and impact-driven entrepreneurs build their authority and business online through content marketing and podcasting. So that is one of the reasons why we are shifting the focus of the show. All right, so my guest today is Corey Poirier, who is a multiple-time TEDx and PMX speaker. He's also the host of the top-rated Conversations with Passion radio show, founder of the speaking program Blue Talks, and he has been featured in multiple television specials. A columnist with Entrepreneur and Forbes magazine, he has been featured in CBC, CTV, NBC, ABC, is a Forbes Coaches Council member, and is one of the few leaders featured twice on the popular Entrepreneurs on Fire show. He has also interviewed over 6,000 of the world's top leaders. At the beginning of today's episode, we talked about Corey's entrepreneurial and speaking journey and how he discovered his passion for speaking. In the middle, we dove deeper into the most important skills needed to be acquired to become a world-class speaker. Corey also shared great tips and frameworks that you can implement in your speeches. Closer to the end, we discussed the number one fear that speakers face and how to overcome it. And Corey also shared great tips on how to start a speaking career and become a professional paid speaker. In the end, Corey recommended amazing books and resources on public speaking. If you want to find out more about today's guest, then check out the free resources, book recommendations, and detailed show notes. Simply head over to our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast. 
That's again, mytotorizon.com forward slash podcast. You can also use the search bar on our website where you can simply type in Corey Poirier to find the episode's show notes page. So Mindset Nation, without any further ado, please enjoy today's episode with the speaker guy himself, the one and only Corey Poirier. All right. So hi, Corey, and welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. Thank you so much, Tibor. It's exciting to be here. Yeah, I was super excited to I was super excited when I was preparing for this conversation and uh as I mentioned before I hit the record button I didn't really have anyone on the show who was the who was an expert on speaking so you're the speaker guy and the founder of the speaking program so you basically help people become professional speakers you're a multiple time TEDx speaker founder of Blue Talks, and it's a long journey. So you've been doing this almost for 20 years, if I'm not mistaken. And I was wondering, how did you discover your passion for speaking? So I'm glad you put it that way. How did I discover it? Because a lot of people think that if somebody's a speaker, that they came by it naturally, or they were naturally gifted as a speaker or attracted to it. And I was none of those things, Tibor. I was that guy that was terrified of the idea of speaking in public. I mean, it just put shivers into me, just the idea of even thinking about doing it, not let alone actually taking a stage and doing it. And so it wasn't what I thought whatever my life would ever sort of uh, amount to being a speaker on stages and getting paid to do it and making a living out of it. None of that came into my even thought process. But what happened was I had written a stage play that I wrote for a festival. And when I wrote the stage play, I didn't have a part for myself because I didn't want to be on a stage. I didn't want to be anywhere near being in public talking or <laughs> Wow. But what happened was one of the, the actors, the lead actor, sprained his ankle. And so he still did the role, like he still did the play, which is amazing that he continued. But he couldn't get backstage to do his costume changes as quick. So what I had to do is I had to write a part that would buy him some time. So I had to write in some new characters. And I realized the only person other than the actors who knew the lines were the director, which was me. And so all of a sudden I realized I had to write myself a part and be in a play I had no desire to be a part of. And so I wrote the part so that I could come out with my back to the audience, wearing a wig and not letting anybody know it was me just to get through uh, the show. And so we got through the show. And at the end of the run, I asked one of the actors, I said, this is going to maybe happen again. How can I get better at this? And he told me about a local stand-up comedy workshop. And so he said, you know, did you want to give this a go? And I said, stand-up comedy, that sounds even more terrifying than speaking. But (laughs) I also recognize just because I go to a workshop doesn't mean I have to ever get on a stage. So I said, okay, well, how about go to the workshop and just see what I learn? I mean, as a writer, I'll probably learn some great stuff. I went to the workshop. We were taught how to adjust the mic stand, and that's pretty much the total training about how to do stand-up comedy that we got. Week number three, we were told we were going to go to a comedy club and watch people entertain us. And so we handed out flyers and promoted the show and filled the whole place only to find out with five minutes notice before the show started that he intended us the whole time to be the entertainers. He hadn't invited any entertainers that he told us, the ones he told us about, they didn't exist. We were the entertainers. So we found out with five minutes notice we were going to be either on that stage that night or walking out the front door quickly that night. (laughs) So what I did was I went to the bathroom to try to find an exit window. And, uh, you know, just climb out the bathroom, but there wasn't one. So I came back out and eight of the 15 were already gone. So there were only seven of us left. And the new debate is who's going to go up first. 
And it's important that I tell you, people always ask me, why did I get on stage that night? And I think a big part of it is I had this little quick visualization of me being a little old man at the bar saying, I was going to perform and do that one night, but I didn't bother. And feeling this, this feeling of guilt and regret that I didn't do it. And so long story short is I decided, why not? And so I basically, we were debating who's going to go up first for about 15 minutes because nobody wants to be what we call the sacrificial lamb in comedy. And so I decided to make myself the sacrificial lamb. I jumped on the stage, launched into my first joke, which bombed horribly, like dead silence. I launched into the second joke, dead silence, and now I had sweat coming down my face. And I've joked that I think I saw a tumbleweed go by because there was nothing. <laughs> and so what happened was the guy who got us into this mess at that point called me over to the corner of the stage, hit me in the back of the head with a schmuck. And he says, you idiot, what are you doing out there? We haven't even turned the mic on yet. We haven't started the show. And <laughs> so I found out that he told us how to adjust the mic stand, but he didn't tell us to turn it on. I found out that's pretty important to actually have the mic <laughs> want people to laugh. And I used to finish the story like that. But people always ask me what happened after I got the mic turned on. So we did get the mic turned on. I did launch into the same jokes, and they did bomb again. So I think I'm the only comic that I know that bombed twice within 10 minutes with the exact same material. And that was my start. But here's the takeaway from that. You asked the question, how did I get into speaking and how did I get a love for it? It really started on that night. But I had no idea then it was a love for it. it was, I felt like it was almost like I was going back week after week. To, mm. to try to conquer it. And it never happened. Like I, I got obsessed with going back week after week performing stand up, but I bombed week after week. I would get a laugh here and there. It took like probably a year and a half, two years to get five minutes of laughter from my jokes, but I kept going wow. back. And then the, how I connected to speaking was I went to a um, Tony Robbins event and somebody beside me said, can you believe he's getting paid to do this? And I said, wait a minute. I'm going to a comedy club and paying for my gas to get there, maybe getting five bucks from the door, bombing horribly, covered in sweat, people making fun of me. And this guy's getting paid to do this. I want more of that. And <laughs> wow. That's how I actually, actually how I discovered that speakers get paid was just somebody telling me randomly. And then I did a little bit of research and discovered it was true. And that's really how my speaking career started was because not that I wanted to get paid to do it. I love doing it, but to recognize that people would actually pay the value for your message. And that's when I really started taking it seriously. And over the course of maybe a year, I transitioned to doing both speaking and comedy. I kept doing comedy for, I think it ended up being nine years, 700 shows, and then quote unquote retired from comedy, but the speaking kept going. So I've been speaking now for just short of 20 years. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And you help others do the same, which is amazing. And uh, you know, I, I'm kind of like curious about how you developed as a person and uh, how you how did you develop your skill set as a speaker because you know it's kind of like the beginning of your journey and um I i'm sure that you've learned a lot of things you know along the way and i'm i'm curious what are some of the things that made a difference in your speaking career in terms of as a person and your skill set and maybe you have some great ideas to share so there's a few different answers to that. One would be that I became obsessed with learning how speakers mm -hmm. work. And so uh, I bought every book I could find on speaking. I mean, I still own probably 80% of those books. Like I found maybe 12 to 15 good books on speaking and I still own most of them. And 
I started obsessing over watching great speakers on YouTube until Ted came along. And then I started watching Ted talks and dissecting. Why did that work? Why did this work? Obviously being in stand-up comedy, we dissect why jokes worked. So it actually mm-hmm. served me well. So I was, so I would, I would say I became a student of the game and I studied at the feet of giants as, um, uh, John D. Martini said to me one time about why he was so successful. He said he studied the feet of giants. And that's what I feel I did. I studied Steve Jobs and said, why, why are his talks working? Then I studied Lisa Nichols and said, why is Lisa Nichols such a different speaker than Steve Jobs, but she's still doing the same things and it's still working. And why is it not working for John Smith? You know, person I don't know. So why, you know, why am I watching their talk and it's not working? So I, I would say, Tibor, what I did was I really studied what work mm-hmm. and um, and then uh, in addition to that, I surrounded myself with other speakers, and so there's speaking associations and things like that. So I would get around other speakers and pick their brain, or I would I was always speaking on the bill with other speakers, so I would ask them, "Hey, have you ever tried this?" Or I noticed you delivered that and did this. Why do you do that? And so really, more than anything, I became very curious, and well, all these things I just told you basically were shortcuts. Versus me trying to learn it all in the trenches on my own. Yeah, I think uh, that's kind of like the growth mindset that you're talking about. So learning and being being curious and uh, trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work. And uh, wow, that's just huge. You know, after 20 years, you know, I think about my podcasting journey in terms of speaking. I've been hosting this show for one year now, but you've also hosted shows, interviewed people. Like that's just like a huge learning curve or a a big journey in terms of learning, I would say. So that's really interesting. And, you know, I'm thinking about the people who, who want to share their message in some, in some way or form, right? So it might be speaking, it might be podcasting, you're an author as well. So it might be, you know, writing. And I'm thinking, you know, how can, how could we help those people? And when I, when I think about speaking, for example, I think about the skill set itself. So there are different things I think about, but I kind of like want to uh, grab your brain here in terms of what what they need to focus on in order to become better speakers. Let's let's focus on the speaking side of it. Yeah. So I mean, there's what I would say is first of all, I mean, there, I, I kind of gave some hints there as far as. Uh, Check out what books are available on speaking. I mean, I can give some names here as well and study those books, like dive into those books and you're going to find nuggets like you never thought of. But what I would say as far as if somebody was coming to me and saying, what areas should I focus on? A really Mm -hmm. big one is you need to get really, really, really good at storytelling and understand why stories work and how they work if you want to be crushing it at the highest level. So one of the most common traits I've noticed among the world-class speakers is they're great storytellers. We had um, yesterday and Monday, we had a Blue Talks live event. I wasn't able to make it uh, because of the pandemic. I couldn't travel to the place it was at, but I had another person organizing it for me and et cetera, et cetera. And one of the speakers that was there, who's a seasoned speaker, she was sending Mm -hmm. me reports. Like she was sending me pictures of each speaker and telling me her thoughts. And a couple of them, she said, you know, they just need some more practice in storytelling. And then a couple other ones, she said, they're so amazing at storytelling. So this is a speaker that's been speaking for 15 years. And the only thing she was focused on is their storytelling ability. So that should give you some indication of how important storytelling is. Also, you know, we evolve as people. But the one thing that hasn't changed is our love for stories. I mean, we started sharing stories around campfires and writing on carvings on walls and telling the story on a wall. And so 
inside a cave, I should rather say. So yeah. something that comes naturally to us and it hasn't changed. And so what I would say is if you can grasp a story and pull an audience in with your story, that's the first thing that will set you apart from other speakers. So the question is, how do you do that? And really, there's some big answers to that and small ones. But in the short version, you need to know how stories work. So you need to know, uh, first of all, your story should have a hero and a villain. And when I say that, a lot of people get tripped up because they think maybe of a visual, like a person, that's a villain. But you can have a villain in your story during your talk that has nothing to do with a person. So, for example, uh, for somebody that battled cancer and is a survivor or conqueror, in their story, cancer may be the villain. And maybe hope or an example that somebody else gave them or somebody in their life that uh, handed them a book that made them start uh, approaching cancer differently and save their life, that could be the hero. So what I'm getting at, Tibor, is that you need to have a clearly defined villain and hero, whether it's a person or a thing, but you have to have that in your story. And the reason is, as humans, we want something or somebody to throw rocks at, and we want somebody or something to cheer for. That's just human nature. And so the first thing I would say is if you want to be a better storyteller, make sure you have a clearly defined villain and hero. You don't have to ever say that out loud to the audience, but just make sure it exists. The other thing I would say, which applies to speaking, but also storytelling, is speak in threes. So psychologically, they've proven we learn best in threes. I had somebody on my uh, show one time, and I said, can you give me some examples? And he said, I'll give you three. And he said, do you know why I say three? And I said, no. And he said, because there's only four numbers in the world. One, two, three, and too many. And you know, obviously what he was meaning is once you get beyond three, nobody cares anymore. And so what I would say is speak in threes, both during your talk, but also within your story. You don't want to have more than three central points. In fact, I would argue you probably only want to have one point in your story unless it's a longer story. The other thing within your story is make sure it's universal, you know, something we can all relate to. But at the same time, within your story, you want to make sure it's something that's uh, innovative or unique. Um, you want to have us laughing within the story. So you could have humor in the story. You want us to have emotionally conne uh, emotional connection with the story. So this is just all storytelling as one thing I think people should focus on. But all those elements I'm saying to Tibor work in the talk too. So your whole talk should have an emotional connection with the audience. It should be related to either something universal or you should be sharing something we've never heard before, one of the two, or mixing those two. Um, what I will say about the idea, to give you an example of emotional connection, just so people can see it in real time, is a quick story that I'll share about a guy that I interviewed. His name is Stuart McLean. And Stuart McLean had a TV or sorry, a radio show called The Vinyl Cafe. Now, Stuart passed away a few years ago, but I interviewed him about five years ago and he invited me to his show. Went to his show and we watched his show. And at one point he asked, Does the audience have any questions? And so this one little hand went up, this eight-year-old hand. We found out he was eight once he got on stage. And he said, uh, Stuart said to the kid, he said, yes, sir, you have a question for me. And he said, first of all, what's your name? And the, and the child said his name was Malachi. And he said, Malachi, what's your question? And Malachi said, Mr. McLean, I wanted to know if I could come up on stage and interview you. And so Stuart said, yes, and I'm going to give a lesson to the audience here. He said, how many people in here in the audience would love to come up and interview me on stage? And a lot of hands went up. And he said, but there's only going to be one tonight. And why is that? Because he asked. And then he mm. said, the lesson for you in the audience is, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Oh, wow. And so you see where this is going. And so Stuart brought Malachi up on the stage. 
And they both sat on chairs across from each other. And Stuart said to Malachi, yes, sir, you have some questions for me. And so Malachi asked two questions. And when he was done with those two questions, he reached in his pocket, he grabbed two quarters. He handed them over to Stuart and said, Stuart, I want to give these to you. And Mr. McLean said, why? And he said, because my parents always told me you should pay for the value of a person's time. And he handed him the two quarters. And Stuart said, Malachi, that's so touching. But I want to give you back one of these quarters so that you and I will never forget our night together here. Wow. <laughs> wow. I tell you this story, Tabor, because I've shared this story in an audience. I've had people come up with me afterwards and say they had chills when they heard it, say that they thought of their child, you know, being that person. They thought of yeah. Stuart in such a positive light that they never knew. My point is that story I just shared with you was less than a minute or at most two minutes. I think it was probably in between one and two minutes. And yet, when I share that story with an audience, it creates a bond between us. So again, what you have to figure out are what are the stories that you know or observe the things that you see that give you goosebumps and figure out what are the elements you need to share in front of an audience to create that same thing again. And what I will say is what a lot of people do with stories is they add way too many things. For instance, I didn't say what color uh, clothes Stuart was wearing. I didn't say what type of glasses or if he was wearing glasses. I never described Stuart. I never described Malachi. You see where I'm going with this? There's so many elements that people don't need to know. All they really need to know is what's going to move the story forward. And so again, what I would say is, and this is all the stuff I'm saying takes time. It takes practice. There's great books you can read on it. But the takeaway is if you can get really good at storytelling and you can get really good at creating an emotional connection with the audience, really good at creating um, content that serves the audience, et cetera, et cetera, that's what's going to make you stand out as a speaker. And those are the areas you should work on. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And a lot of great, great, great insights because, you know, we... We talked about, for example, on my other podcast, the Podcast Interview Mastery Show, we talked about interviewing. But overall, what I feel when it comes to either speaking or podcasting, you know, I love the stories in the conversations, right? So the stories are things that I can relate to and um, I got the chills or whatever it is, but that's kind of like the emotional part. And I'm always trying to incorporate stories in a conversation as well in the podcast but I just couldn't agree more with this, you know, emotional element. Like that's, that's for me really important because as you said, people can relate and uh, there's this bond, there's this connection. You know, I'm also thinking about people who want to share their personal stories, right? So that, that could be also an example, right? So they want to share their stories in a better way. And all the things that you shared are really helpful to think about how you can incorporate these things in your stories. Because a lot of times on the podcast and, you know, when we need to speak, we share our stories. But it's important how you actually structure that, right? You know, for example, I used to work as an architect and then I moved out to Germany to work there and I started a podcast and so on and so forth. So how can I package this whole thing uh, in a nice story, in a nice bow, so to speak, and incorporate some of the elements that you've shared. So that's kind of like a takeaway for the listeners to think about. Whenever you tell some kind of a story, you can use these elements. And I use and I find it super helpful, Corey, because to be honest with you, I have never li- really learned how to become a better storyteller. So that's one of my intentions for the future. I kind of like read, for example, you know, Talk Like Ted, one of the uh, TED Talks books. But I think it's really important in any situation 
how you communicate and how you present yourself or your story, that's a very useful skill set. So that's one of the reasons I'd love to learn more about how to become a better speaker. And, um, you know, now, now I'm thinking about some of the obstacles people have when it comes to speaking. And public speaking is kind of like one of the biggest fears, if not the biggest, <laughs> uh, that people have. And so what would you tell those who face this fear of public speaking and it kind of like holds them back from, you know, starting their speaking, I wouldn't say career, but let's focus on people who want to speak on stage. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I've been there, so I would certainly tell them that it's normal to have that fear. And in fact, having some part of that fear stay with you is actually good. Most top speakers will tell you they still get nervous every time they go on stage. But knowing how to use that fear to serve you, to keep your adrenaline high, to keep you passionate during your talk, uh, will will obviously help a lot. But obviously, when you're just starting, you don't know how to do that, and and you, the fear is just overwhelming you. But here's what I would say: is the this is why I said earlier, become a student of the game and study at the feet of giants and start reading and learning and watching. Is here mm. what I discovered, Tibor? Is most people aren't scared of rejection. They're not scared of failing, like bombing on stage. What they're scared of is the unknown. What is up, Mindset Nation? I hope you guys are enjoying today's episode. And we're going to get back to this conversation very soon after thanking to our sponsors. Hey, my friend, I'm super excited to announce that my podcast mastery course is now available. You can check out the course at mindsethorizon.com forward slash course. As a mission and impact driven entrepreneur, thought leader, visionary and change maker, have you ever thought of increasing your online visibility, building credibility and scaling your impact and business by starting your own podcast? If you've answered this question with hell yeah, and you're ready to start your authority building podcast and take your impact, influence and income to the next level, I would highly recommend checking out my podcast mastery online course at mindsethorizon.com forward slash course. That's MindsetHorizon.com forward slash course. In this course, I'm teaching you step-by-step how to start your own epic podcast from scratch. There are four in-depth modules available in this course and additional bonus materials. So in module one called Podcast Foundations Mastery, you will learn about the foundations that are indispensable to launch a successful podcast. In module two called Podcast Tech Mastery, you will learn about the technical side of podcasting. In module three, called Podcast Creation Mastery, you will learn about everything that you need to create in order to be able to launch your podcast. In module four, called Podcast Launch Mastery, you will learn how to launch your podcast the right way. And last but not least, in the bonus section, you will find additional checklists, email templates, workflow templates, and sample documents that will help you design and launch your podcast like a pro. You can check out the course details at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash course. That's MindsetHorizon.com forward slash course. The world is waiting to hear your message, my friend. So let's stop hiding in plain sight and start sharing your truth. Check out the course at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash course right now. So Mindset Nation, without any further ado, let's get back to today's Mindset Transforming Conversation. And so they don't know what could happen. So they're scared of that. This is what I've discovered is that 
the biggest fear for a lot of people, and they don't know what really happens. Just, I mean, it's just like they say, the speaking is the number one fear above death. Well, death, I feel for a lot of people, the fear is the unknown. They don't know what happens when they die. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like speaking has some elements of that too. They don't know what's going to happen when they get on the stage. Could go really well, could go bad, but they don't know. And it's the fear of not knowing. And they don't have any control over it. That's what the fear is. Here's what I do know is the people that really get it and the people that get really good at speaking, what they do really well is they get comfortable because they know what they know. And so I'm going to explain this. But what I find helps people a lot is planning for all the things that could go wrong on a stage or during your talk or with your message. Now, the big thing is you need to know your message inside and out in the first place. So you need to be passionate about it and know that message. But as long as you know Mm -hmm. that, then you know everything you need to know about the talk. The next part is planning for what could happen or what could go wrong during the talk and how are you going to deal with it if it does happen. It's much the same if you're in sales. You want to prepare for what people could say, like your price is too high or uh, I already deal with somebody else. You should have the common five objections and then you, how you deal with it, your five common responses. So somebody might say, well, I already buy from my brother, so I can't change that. Then how are you going to respond to that? You should have a you should have a thought in your head already about how you're going to respond when that happens. Because I find there's only a certain number of objections in the world, and then they're just repeated in different ways. Much the same with speaking. There's only so many things that could trip you up and go wrong. They just happen in different ways. So to put this, I guess, is more of a visual. It, you could plan for okay, what hap- What do I do if the mic doesn't work? What do I do if the clicker doesn't work? What do I do if somebody yells up from the audience? What do I do if this happens? What if I do if that happens? And if you can have a plan, just call it a plan, not stock or anything, not like a script or, you know, a, something that's standard that you answer everybody this way. But if you can have a, here's how I'm going to deal with this situation if it happens, and you can plan for that, all of a sudden what's going to happen is your confidence is going to go higher because now you know your talk. I mean, you have to know your talk. So you know your talk inside and out. And now you also know what to do if something goes wrong. And I think you'll find that will eliminate a lot of people's major part of the fear. Yet, I mean, there's other aspects to it, like practicing and uh, getting in front of smaller groups, like go to Toastmasters, get in front of a Toastmasters group where there's maybe 10 people and getting in with one where they'll let you just sit there and watch for maybe a few weeks if that's what you need. And then after you see enough new people go up and speak, then maybe you get comfortable speaking. There's lots of ways to baby step your way in like that. But if you have to deliver a talk or if you're terrified of the idea but you want to do it, what I would tell you is make sure you know what you're speaking on inside and out. Make sure you're passionate about it. And then finally, plan for what could go wrong and how you'll deal with it if it does. Wow, Corey, it's super, super helpful and, and great advice, I would say. So one thing you've mentioned is passion. I think it's really important that you find a topic that you really want to deliver and talk about. You know, if, if there's a topic that you're not passionate about, I, I think you're not even driven to deliver the talk. So, yeah, I, you know, I was wondering what I would talk about if I had to deliver a talk. And that's kind of like a good question to start with. And, um, you know, connected to fear, you've mentioned fear of the unknown, and I couldn't agree more. And basically, fear of the unknown, and and if you can make the place or the situation kind of like familiar because we are afraid of, you know, the unknown. If something is unfamiliar uh, to the brain, so to speak, we get into this fight or flight response. And most of the times, if you, for example, you know, just for the first time you go on stage and you want to deliver a talk, that's kind of like a very unknown situation. 
So I don't know if you have if you've had this experience, but it just kind of like came to my mind right now. If you you know practice on stage before the talk, I think that that practice could make the whole situation more familiar to the brain. And uh, I kind of like talk about this when it comes to visualization and visualizing the the scenario that you are going to get into the situation itself, so it it becomes more familiar to the brain. And uh, it's connected to the fear of the unknown, right? Uh, fear of fear of not knowing uh, what's going to happen, what it's going to look like, and so on and so forth. But these are really great insights. And uh, you've mentioned, I'm just looking at my notes here, prepare for failures, prepare a plan that's huge, practicing, and also delivering your talk in front of smaller audiences. I think that's great. And um, I wanted to mention one of your TEDx talks because you kind of like talk about similar topics connected to fear. So it's called How People Crush Fears and Expand Comfort Zones. And uh, I think that's a really useful talk for the listeners so they can check it out and they can learn a little bit more about how to expand your comfort zone um, and how to quote unquote overcome fear. Because I think you might agree that overcoming fear is just a buzzword or expression that we use, <laughs> but it's kind of like always there, the fear and nervousness. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I guess that, uh, so for me personally, and, and I'll just uh, tackle this for a second yeah. because people might be wondering that too, is do I practice my talks before I deliver them? And so because of, I mean, so now I don't practice every talk before I deliver it. What I mean by that, though, is I am usually delivering a talk about a subject matter that I'm versed on. But what I do is I create, um, I use a thing called the spiders method. And I create, a, it's a template that I use to create every talk. So I already know going into it, I'm going to use some of those things I mentioned earlier, like the rule of three. So I'm going to come up with what are my three stories that illustrate my point? What's my main takeaway? I do all those things. Um, and then I practice it for time. So I just base it on how many minutes per slide. So I do practice some of that stuff. And I find that alleviates some of the fear, but I also <laughs> know me and I know that I have to be fluid. I have to be, um, I have to be willing to kind of go where the punches go for me now as a speaker for it to work. And so, but it took a long time to get there. I could never do that when I started, but now I need to leave room for me to move a little bit around and flexibility within the talk. So for me, you know, that fear uh, whenever I started out, if I wouldn't have practiced and known my stuff, and as we said, been passionate about it, then mm -hmm. I would have, I mean, I'm, the fear could have crippled me. But because I understood that I need to be comfortable with what I'm saying on stage, and I need to know how to deal with it if somebody asks a question about it, so I means I doubly have to be comfortable with it. Because of that, I found I had less fear than if I wouldn't have practiced it, and if I wouldn't have known my stuff inside and out. But like I said, I'd be lying yeah. to say that I still... Every time I do a talk now, I practice for two hours before the talk. I don't do that. And I know a lot of speakers that do, but that's, you know, that, I mean, it works for them. For me, I, uh, I, I, I to be honest, Tibor, it's my personality. I don't even think I could do it. Like, I don't even think I could sit there for two hours to practice for a 45 minute talk. <laughs> yeah. but I don't, that's like one of those things don't necessarily do as I say, because I, it's been obviously 20 years doing this. I don't think I could have yeah. viewed it like that at the first, even though I didn't want to. I had to sit there and practice it for a long time. But after practicing it for so many years, you know, there's a point where, um, to me, to practice over practice it would actually dilute it and make me less excited about it. What I also do is, even if it's a talk I've delivered before, let's say in customer service, I'll actually 
I'll pick up something along the way. So maybe I'm flying to the talk and I'll see something happen that happens that day. And I bring that into my talk because I want my talk to always feel new and current. So when you come see me, you're not just going to see the same three stories I started with 20 years ago. If they, even if my talk and customer service, it's evolved so much, you wouldn't recognize it today from what you would have saw 20 years ago. So it's constantly evolving, but it was over time. So it was like, I didn't have to always practice it over and over again every time because I was only switching little things up each time. But it's not abnormal for me to add something new into a talk that I'm delivering at four o'clock and to add it in at two o'clock today. Yeah, absolutely. It's so exciting. And um, again, back to your TEDx talk about how people crush fears and so on and so forth. One thing that really stood out for me was desire beats fear. And if you have a desire, if you have a passion for a topic, it will help you step into your greatness, if I can say that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I love that part. Oh, thank you so much. And I was just going to say, I mean, as far as in reference, because I, I talked about, you know, the fear and practicing helps me. But as far as in reference to the talk itself, in terms of overcoming fear, the as far as what you said, that's a big part of it. I share the story that, uh, and I've had this happen a lot of times now in interviews, but I shared the story that I interviewed an Olympian who transitioned to a speaker, but she was like me when she started, terrified of the stage. And I said, how did you get over that fear? And she told me that she discovered that her desire to share a message and impact an audience was bigger than her fear of getting on a stage. And wow. what I shared that is if you can find a big enough why, you'll figure out a way to do the how. So in other words, to your point, if the desire is strong enough, you'll figure out the, the how. And the how is getting over that fear. But you'll figure out how to do it if you have a strong enough desire to do it. But for most people, what it is, is it's just, a, oh, it'd be cool to do that. But it's mm -hmm. not a, like in her case, it was a burning desire. So I believe that to be true, even outside of uh, conquering your fears in general, if, if the why is big enough, you'll figure out the how. So, but what I also gave, I shared is after interviewing a lot of the top influencers who were terrified at first, who overcame that fear, I discovered some of the, the common elements that they had. And one of them, which I shared earlier was baby steps. You know, so they, they were willing to go, okay, what's inside my comfort zone? What's outside my comfort zone? And what are the baby steps I would have to take to expand my comfort zone and do this? And so if you look at like speaking on a stage, maybe the baby steps are you have to read about speaking. You have to go watch other speakers. You have to interview speakers. You have to sit with speakers. You have to go to Toastmasters. Like you could list 10 baby steps. And what I found is if you take those baby steps and reward yourself each time you take one. You're going to want those rewards. You're going to take another baby step. You're going to want another reward. You're going to take another baby step. And eventually, after you've taken enough baby steps, that step to get on the stage or whatever the fear is seems so much smaller than it did at the beginning. So baby steps was a big one. And another one that I talked about in my talk was having the buddy system. So having somebody else help you with that fear. Yeah. So it could be if you're going skydiving, I don't think I'd recommend if, you've, if you're scared of heights, you go to the skydive place on your own. You know, maybe you go with a friend to talk to while you're there and to talk you up. And I say up, I mean in the air, because usually it's talk you down. But in this case, talk yeah. you up to get up in the air. I went skydiving and I had three people with me. And I, I firmly feel that had I had not had those three people with me, there is an outside chance I wouldn't have jumped out of the plane that day. So a buddy yeah, is a yeah. thing I recommend. So those are those are a couple of things from that talk that you referenced. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great talk. So highly recommended to the listeners. And uh, basically, as we are wrapping up very soon, I kind of like wanted to ask you about the, the business aspect of speaking. So maybe some insights for those who are interested in becoming professional speakers and earning money from it. So you can help people with that. But what are some of the things that you would share if someone is just thinking about, you know, becoming a professional paid speaker? 
Well, I, I, I would say one thing is how you start is very, very important. And so what I mean by this, and if, with your permission, Tibor, uh, as we bring things to a close, I'd love to give away a free gift that'll help people too. But Absolutely. Before I jump ahead to that, what I would say is how you start is everything. And so what I mean by that is the one thing I did differently because I had a lot of people started out the same time as me or were sharing the bill at the same time as me and weren't getting paid for events I was getting paid to speak at. And so that's why I launched the speaking program is because those people kept coming to me saying, how are you doing it? And one of the things that I did that most people didn't do is when I first started, I made sure that even on those talks where they couldn't pay me to speak, I made sure it was a trade. There was some value involved. So my one of my first big talks was for a big um, a gym, like a fitness center, but they had nine locations. And mm-hmm. what I did was I said, I'll do the talk, and I know you can't pay me a large amount. So instead, what I'd rather have is a testimonial from the CEO if he likes my talk, and then also uh, three $90 gym memberships that I can give to clients. So just three pieces of paper that people can take in and use it for three months at your gym. And they agreed to that. And I did that talk and he ended up giving me a a reference letter, which was even better than a testimonial because he had a bunch of cool sound bites in there. And then they gave me three things. But then he said, one of the testimonials said, we realized we need to bring you in for all our future sales trainings. And wow. then the next month he brought me in and he paid me $250 and then he paid me 500 and then he paid me 800. And then once we got to a thousand, I'd reached the limit and I had to stop working with them because my fee was still going up. But my point mm-hmm. of this is I didn't go all do. Yeah. He, I didn't, he said to me, we don't have money uh, for this event, this specific event. Well, I didn't say, okay, I'll do it for free for the coverage or the promotion or whatever. I said, well, you got to give me something. And I didn't say it like that, but I basically said, there's got to be a trade here. And so yeah. what if, you did this, and he knew that wouldn't cost him anything. You know, because the other thing is the three member gym, uh, the three three month gym memberships. If they try for ninety days and love it, he's going to get those clients anyway. So it's actually a win for him too. But my takeaway from this is that I started out from the beginning charging value for my time. So it could be, you know, if I'm going driving to your event, I just need you to cover my gas. And it wasn't because I was being petty or I needed the seventy dollars for gas. It was because I needed them to feel like there was a value in hiring me. And yeah. that was, by the yeah. way, a lot of that was by accident. It was just because I was in sales already and I got that. But it was an accident that I did it. And I'll tell you that most people tell me that was one of the biggest things that I did early on that allowed me to start charging quicker than most other speakers. So it sounds small, but the fact that I was placing a value already, whenever I had to start charging three and $5,000, it wasn't scary to me. But if I would have started out, spoke for two years, didn't charge anybody, and then said, okay, now I'm going to start charging people $5,000, even if I was worth it, I psychologically it would have been very hard to overcome the jump. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have to probably still start way, way lower, whereas right from day one, I was charging something. Yeah, I love that, Corey, to be honest with you, because I think it's really important for people to hear. Uh, this is kind of like a, a mindset that you can uh, cultivate in terms of when you're starting out, because, you know, a lot of people struggle with imposter syndrome. I don't have the knowledge, so I can't charge. And so people don't really value their time. AK, don't, they don't really value what they know and themselves at the end of the day. And you need to have this mindset that your time is valuable and what you deliver is valuable. So I think that's a great share there, Corey. And, um, you know, I always ask my guests about book recommendations. So I mentioned one book, I think, uh, talk like that. If you have anything in mind you would recommend to the listeners to become better speakers, that would be awesome. 
Well, it's kind of funny because when you said that, Tabor, I looked over at my bookshelf and from where I'm sitting, <laughs> right hidden beside um, See You at the Top by Zig Ziglar is Talk Like that. So I'm, I'm not <laughs> um, Because you referenced that, I'll go one step further and say another great book is called TED Talks, which is actually by Chris Anderson, who's the curator of all the TED Talks. Um, like He's the guy who owns TED as a company. So I would uh, recommend his book. So Carmine Gallo wrote the one you're talking about. And then Chris Anderson wrote the other one. But probably even bigger than those two books for me, uh, there's a great book called The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs. Oh, wow. Which, by the way, is also by Carmine Gallo, who wrote Talk Like Ted. And that book, if I had to pick one book for people getting on stages and the craft of speaking, if I had to pick one book to recommend, I would almost always go to that book. And then for people that are wanting to build a career out of this, there's a a book called, I don't think I have it here in the office, but it's called Speak and Grow Rich. And so Mm. easy to remember the name because they actually had to get permission from Think and Grow Rich, the foundation, to use that name. But it's called Speak and Grow Rich, and it's by a mother-daughter team. Lily and Dottie Walters, and they had a uh, the mother had a speakers bureau for over thirty years, and it's basically her sharing everything she learned from all the top speakers while building that bureau. Wow, so amazing books! Thanks for sharing them, Corey. And uh, before I ask my last question, first off, tell the listeners what's the best way to connect with you, and also, as far as I know, one of your books, The Book of Public Speaking, is available for download. Is it is it right? Yeah, that's the one I want to give uh, your audience for free, actually. That would be awesome. Yeah, so it's the digital version of the book, but completely free. And so very, very easy to find. The website is simply thebookofpublicspeaking.com. So it's the same name of this as the book, but .com. So thebookofpublicspeaking.com. Uh, listeners can go right there now and get it for free. And it's a book that's built over, th- it's, it's divided into three sections. The first one is me teaching some of the things I've learned over the years. The middle section is the one I'm most excited about. It's actually interviews with people like Tom Ziegler, talking about what wow. he learned watching his father Zig on stages. And um, so there's seven interviews, I believe, in that section. And then the third section is quotes by other speakers in terms of what they do when they're on stages. So Love to give away that book for free. And then as far as people connecting with me, we didn't really talk about Blue Talks today, but uh, our brand, our, our brand that we launched recently is called Blue Talks. And how I describe it is it's like if Chicken Soup for the Soul and TEDx had a baby, that baby mm, would be Blue Talks. And so if people want to learn about Blue Talks, they can go to Blue Talks, and that's blue without the E, so B-L-U, which stands for Business Life Universe, uh, bluetalks.com. So either the book of public speaking.com to get your free book or bluetalks.com to learn more about our blue talks brand. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing the links and uh, the links are going to be in the show notes and available on our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast. So people can check out the show notes and the links as well. And Corey, it's been great. And my last question is what is your mission and what is your future vision? Where are you headed? Wow. So that's a really big one. Tibor, so I'm going to say uh, it's, you know, my mission overall is I have a mission statement, a personal mission statement, which says that I want to be the guy who motivates, donates, inspires, educates, and entertains. But my bigger, what I'm trying to do from that, my bigger, let's say, purpose or calling is to ideally create uh, invisible ripples or impacts in every person's life that I come across in any major way. So Wow. Basically, I'm going to keep doing anything I can do to day by day, hopefully impact one more life and hopefully create a positive ripple for them. One of the things that I have coming up that 
you know, it's not even launched yet, but it's really close. I mean, it's on the heels of launching Blue Talks, but I'm officially finally launching a member site soon. And this member site, because I've done, as you mentioned off the top, uh, because I've done thousands of interviews with top influencers and I've done, you know, all these interviews and a lot of them video and created all this content, I'm finally deciding to bring it together in a vault called the Influencer Vault. And wow. we're launching very soon. And the gist is we're going to help people do a lot of what now they have to hire me as a coach or pay for a program to do. They're going to be able to do on a monthly basis now, meaning with a monthly fee. And so we're working hard to get that ready. And depending on when a person's listening to this, the ideal launch date we're thinking is mid-November in 2020. So about a little over a month and a, couple, a week or so. So five or six weeks. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So... Mindset Nation, stay tuned for more updates. Well, I I can imagine that that's going to be a huge resource <laughs> for people. So that's that's really exciting. Well, I'll tell you, I'm I'm super excited about it myself. And what I'm excited about as well is as we put videos up, as we put things up, is I get to relearn what I learned earlier when I did them the first time around. Yeah, I mean, you have interviewed over five thousand people, world's top leaders. Like that's a huge resource and. It needs to be put together. That's a that's a great idea. Well, Corey, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been great. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been my absolute pleasure. And this is what I'm passionate about. So thank you for helping me fuel my passion a little bit more today. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Mindset Horizon podcast. For more information and resources based on today's discussion, be sure to head to our website, MindsetHorizon.com, where you'll also have the ability to join the Mindset Nation community for more insight and empowerment to help you reach your full potential. That's all available exclusively on MindsetHorizon.com.